the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for all your enthusiasm. I do appreciate it. I really, really do. Um, I'll do a little market commentary in uno momento. But first, let's go to a phone call, 800-345-5639. Joey. Hey, what's up, Rob? So I haven't called you in a while, man. Just got out of jail. Don't want to disclose that information, but it's, yeah, it's been a while. I missed you, man. Boom. Even Rob hear you Black comes out and throws a mushroom cloud right yeah, up their nostril. Now, I wanted to comment on, on my prediction. Uh, I think we'll be on survival mode, Rob. Um, not many uh, cars will be on the road, so that means no hitchhiking for me. Um, I hitchhike. I do not hike. You will not find hiking boots in my uh, closet. Uh, the community will lack proper nutrition. People will be making smoothies out of creek water or any kind of standing water they could find, even if it's from a doughboy swimming pool full of uh, mosquito larva. Uh, there'll be Nobody will have money to upgrade anything, Rob. Even uh, people's toothbrushes will look old and have uh, dilapidated bristles that look more mangy than a dying mountain lion's fur. Uh, so, yeah, common commodities nobody will have money for. Since you're a financial guy, my advice to you would be to advise uh, the listeners to take up a self-defense course, whether it's Krav Maga, the Israeli uh, military self-defense, or Krav Maga, or even Eskrima stick fighting, because it's going to be an all-out brawl in the community. People will be fighting over uh, Capri Sun box drinks. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's going to be a mad world, kind of like that uh, Tears for Fears song, Mad World. So. Good knowledge. Joey, what were you in jail for? Um, well, it's kind of kind of petty theft, but more more like brawl, more of a fight in the parking lot oh, next good. to the cart rack with a security guard knocked his nostrils off. But uh yeah, man, back to the mad world, dude. Speaking of mad, you know what else is mad, Rob? Go ahead. Uh my grandma, I live with my grandma, man. She never smoked, but anyways, she keeps drinking out of the chocolate milk in the refrigerator, and uh, she makes a whole half gallon of chocolate milk taste like Nicorette chewing gum. And uh, she never she never smokes, but she likes uh, Nicorette gum. She calls it her version of sunflower seeds. So now the yeah, half a gallon of milk is tainted and destroyed. So uh, it's, it's pretty messed up, and I got to deal with that. So if you want to rent out your beach house room when you get it to me for really cheap, um, I love that, man. I love to be a roommate. So the answer is yes, I will. So more, was it fighting that you went to jail for or was it petty theft? And what did you steal? Well, I wouldn't call it fighting because there's no match. Um, I stole a snow globe and uh, it wasn't a Christmas one. People think snow globe, cliche Christmas, but it was a snow globe and it had a, it had like a, it was like a hummingbird in it. Not a real hummingbird, but like a, a village, and then in the background showed like a little hummingbird. And uh, when you shake it, of course, it would snow. Kind of like you're in a snow blizzard. 
but it was cool. I wanted to give it to my grandma because that's my rent to her is giving her gifts. That's kind of uh, nice of you. So, yeah, it sounds. I know it sounds like a radio call joke, prank call, ha-ha, but this is my life, dude. This is how I live. And if there's anybody listening out there thinking, oh, yeah, this is this is fake. This is Rob's friend calling from the bar. I assure you this is not Rob's friend calling from the bar. But, Joey, how do you make yeah, money? future roommate. What, you, what's your question? How do you make money? Meet girls. I can make them laugh. I lie to them. Um, I say I say I, I'm a writer, and for comedians, I'll name comedians. I can make girls laugh on, at the drop of a dime. Okay. I got more I got more jokes than Walmart got aisles, and I never run out of jokes like a Walmart soda machine runs out of sodas. But uh, I wanted to use Walmart because that's where I got I got caught shoplifting. Um, I kind of wanted to batter them on 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 the radio. But uh, yeah, dude, I. Uh, that's how I make money. I mean, rich women, dental assistants, uh, registered nurses. I go to, you know, San Diego. And I, I'm, I don't spend money on spend money on girls. How old are you? Um, right now, I'm 32. 32. Yeah. Are you so, on, are you on medication? No, I like caffeine though. Like those energy drinks. Yeah. I like them, baby. I have like two, so my uh, heart rate's magnified like a radical geometric rate. Feels like it's gonna pop out of my chest, baby. And I, I eat healthy. I, I work out. I know how to train. I know I know some Muay Thai. So that security guard. Yeah, man. My shin bone came out. I'm like a like a Golden Gate Transit bus zooming down the freeway. Thanks for the call, Joey. It's Joey and Ronert Park. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in the air. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in the air. Honestly, something's intriguing about that man. Something is compelling. Boom. Rob Black comes out and throws a mushroom cloud right up their nostril. So let's talk stock market. Um, first hour, I was a little sloppy. Like I said, it was a rough night last night. Long night. Uh, long drive to Los Gatos. Stock market did another one of its levitation acts this morning. It did a levitation act last night. So uh, as the market was closing, the, it traded higher on very low volume. Now, the bullish bias right now is consistent with most days of late. The market tendency is to ignore bad news and to latch on to Hopeful news. Specifically, the market looked right past the awful initial claims data and the report on mortgage delinquencies this morning hit a record high. Remarkably, though, one out of eight mortgages in the United States is either in foreclosure or is missed payments. Wow. 14% of American mortgages are in some sort of foreclosure process. So actually 13%. It's 4% are actually in foreclosure and 9% have missed payments and are heading towards foreclosure. Foreclosure is a process and it differs from state to state. Now, it's all well and good out there, but we are kind of ignoring some obvious you know, signs that things aren't great. Now, today's session, it's all about options expiration day. It's got off to a positive, positive start. I'm looking at the market right now, and you're up 100 plus points on the Dow, but it's starting to drift a little bit lower. Now, what's impressive is this week, we started off with an awful Monday where the market was down 2.3%, and now we're up three-tenths of a percent for the week, so we're having a pretty good week. By the end of it, we're going to be up for the week, unless something really horrific happens in the stock market. Now, some other news out there, California unemployment rate, it hit 11.9%. That's one of the worst in the country. We are behind Nevada at 12.5%. Rhode Island's 12.7%. Michigan's 15%. 
So that's not good. We're number four in the nation, and we're a big, stinking country. I think we, some people say we're the sixth largest country in the world, just California. If you just look at our economy alone, some people say it's eight. I'm not quite sure where we are at this day um, based on current market conditions. Now, Disney's hired today, DuPont, Caterpillar, Travelers, GE, Merck, showing you that all sorts of companies are doing well. It's a broad-based rally. The only underperformer I can see is Walmart. Interesting, out of the White House, a spokesperson saying the housing market seems to be bottoming out. I think that's just a bunch of hot air. In large part, we saw existing home sales jump a whopping 7.2%, but 30% of them were foreclosures or distressed sales. So they were going way below market value. But on a positive, we are just selling homes. You know, there's some action there, and it's good to have action. But we do have 9.4 months of inventory in homes. What does that mean? If we don't uh, put another home up for sale between now and 9.4 months from now, that's how long it would take to sell the homes at the current pace. Now, we saw that home sales jumped a whopping 7.2%, but keep in mind, that's 7.2% from last year's levels. And honestly, that's not good. Last year's numbers were pretty low. So it would be like, for instance... You understand baseball, right? If Pablo Sandoval starts, uh, he gets he hits one ball out of ten this weekend, and then next week he hits two out of ten. You'd go, well, that's a heck of an improvement. He's up a hundred percent. Not really. It's not that heck of an improvement because batting two hundred and then blending out, you know, three out of twenty, that's not a good number. So you get the idea. Some of these statistics are pretty misleading. The Journal today did a nice piece, and I'm going to be honest with you, I I don't quite get the significance of this one. They talked about the three tech heavyweights and libraries and a coalition of Silicon Valley lawyers getting together to challenge Google. Google came up with a settlement with authors and publishers recently. Now, Microsoft, Amazon, and Yahoo, they've agreed to join the group. Now, it's a coalition, and it's latest signs that Google's rapid ascent has made it a prime target for competitors. Google defended the settlement, saying that they struck last October with the Authors Guild and Association of American Publishers. They said, quote, the Google Book settlement is injecting more competition in the digital book space, so it's understandable why our competitors might find it hard to prevent more competition. So ultimately, the settlement or the agreement permits Google to use works that it scanned off library shelves and its digital book service. It allows users to search the text of books and read some in fuller form. In exchange, Google's agreed to share revenue from ads and subscription with the right holders of said books. I've got an investment that I'm looking at tied towards Kindle, tied towards Google Books. Amazon's got the Kindle where you can download a book. Now, it's changing things, not radically. People still go to the store and buy books, although I'm surprised. In this day and age of um, people going out... To me, I, they, something about that Kindle I like, except for the price tag. I want one as a gift. I don't want to buy one for myself. I'm not asking my listening audience to get me a, a Kindle and send it to 340 Townsend. I'm not asking that in any way, shape, or form. I wouldn't dare do that. Care of Rob Black. Uh, Rob Black Show, 910KNEW. Um, but I want one as a gift. I don't want to actually buy one. Uh, but you know who's going to change this environment forever when they get there? It's going to be Apple. Apple will forever change the book environment, and they're going to come out with a tablet. It's not going to be this fall. It's going to be um, early in 2010, first quarter 2010. 
and they're going to have a relationship with Verizon on this 10-inch iPod. So it's going to be a pretty big iPod. Measure your feet. You know, my, I've got size 12 feet, so my foot's size 12. So look at my foot, and you go, it's a little bit smaller than Rob's foot. This new tablet that they're going to come out with. Now, Apple's come out with a tablet before. They came out with something called the Newton Massive Failure, just ahead of its time. This 10-inch tablet, oddly enough, it's about the size of a book. Oddly enough, it's about the size of a, a nice video game screen. Oddly enough, it's about the perfect size to take on a flight and watch a movie. You get what Apple's trying to do, especially since the biggest selling consumer product this year has been the netbook. The netbook is a poor man's notebook. No, 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 no. It's a smaller than a notebook, but it has a functioning keyboard. So those have been selling really well, really well, and uh, pretty hot product. So Apple's trying to get into that area or at least not let that area leave without them. So this Google Wall Street Journal story, I don't quite feel terribly great with this, but it, it does, to, again, give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about what's happening in online books and books. Um, Wednesday, not today, but Wednesday. Today's Friday. It's Aloha Friday. There's no work till Monday. But on Wednesday, I'm giving away free movie tickets for anyone who wants them. Call into the show, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Um, Wednesday, I'm going to be doing a show on Woodstock and investing in the 60s. Don't hold me to just 68. Don't hold me to the summer of love because I'm not going to be doing that. But Wednesday night at the AMC Metreon, beautiful, beautiful place to see a movie. Um, there's a movie coming called Taking Woodstock, Taking Woodstock. So if you want to see it, I've got free passes for you. I, uh, the pass admits to it's Wednesday, August 26th at the AMC Metreon. It's not at every movie theater. It's just at the Metreon, just Wednesday night, 730. So call the show 800-345-5639, and Heidi will set you up with some free tickets. This is Rob Black on Talk 910, KNEW. Natural gas. It's tumbling, it's stumbling, it's falling apart. Down 5.2% today, natural gas futures. $2.79 per million British thermal units. Natural gas is too cheap. It's not going to be here forever. Should you invest in it? I don't know, because we have so much of it in the world, and it's so easy to get to. Ultimately, natural gas is, it's, the United States is the Saudi Arabia of natural gas. We got plenty of it. We just don't use as much of it as we should. Natural gas is a clean-burning fuel, and holy mackerel, if we set up our factories to go from oil to natural gas, we'd be in good straits, because we got plenty of the stuff. So natural gas falling apart, 271. Um, No one, 279. No one saw it breaking below $3, and it's broken below $3. Copper, rallying 5% today, gold up 1.4%. And again, that goes to my point that gold is not the inflation play that you want. It's copper. Copper is the one that, that is the real play. And gold coins isn't a play on inflation. Other stories of note today. Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi She's seeking legislation, and she's saying, look, this health care reform thing, it's going to have to, in her opinion, have a public option. The Wall Street's digesting that a little bit. Cash for Clunkers program ends on Monday. Now, my sources have 
and it's already been allocated. $300 million has already been allocated for cash for appliance clunkers. Your old refrigerators, your old dishwashers, your old stoves. That's going to be coming this fall. There might be a play on Whirlpool. There might be a play on Whirlpool. Um, but $300 million is a lot less than the $3 billion that people have been putting into the cash for clunkers. Other stories of Newt today. Ben Bernanke. He's our Fed Reserve chairman, our banker, our king, so to speak. He made it really, really clear that the global economy is on more stable ground and he's not expecting a rapid economic recovery. But we're on a more stable ground. He says economic activity appears to be leveling out in the United States and abroad. He added that the prospects for a return to growth in the near term appear good. Now, right after he said this, another Fed Reserve member came out and said third quarter and fourth quarter will be up. So our recession will officially be over, technically. But we'll still have that high unemployment number that will bother people. The Fed chief noted that the global economy has much improved since officials last gathered in Wyoming for the annual two-day conference. And since his quote was, since we last met here, the world's been through the most severe financial crisis since the Great Depression. He does say that critical challenges remain. As an example, he pointed to ongoing strains in global financial markets and the continued difficulty businesses and households are having obtaining credit. He said, quote, short-term funding markets are functioning much more normally. Corporate bond issuance has been unstrong. Corporate bond issuance may be too strong. With still four months left in the year, we've issued over $1 trillion of corporate debt. Corporations, they're not getting loans. So instead, they're issuing bonds as a way of raising capital. So his last quote of the day was, I hope and expect that when we meet here a year from now, we will be able to claim substantial progress towards both of the objectives of drastically reforming financial crisis in order to secure a sustained recovery. Me, me, kind of see where I'm at that. Meredith Whitney, very influential analyst today. She comes out and says that 300 banks in the United States will ultimately fail before all is said and done. Uh, this year, we are at 77. That's the most in 17 years. So some banks have been taken over. Colonial Bank Corp was closed by the FDIC and taken over by BB&T on August 14th. Biggest failure since the Washington Mutual collapsed in 2008. So it was a big one. We still have some issues out there. Now, unemployment, I already told you, it rose in the state of California pretty aggressively, 11.9%. But it also rose in 26 other states in the month of July. That's really going to hurt our state collections. It's really going to hurt our federal collections and taxes. Income taxes this year, it's just going to be it's just going to be an awful year. And our government's going to have to revamp what they do. One way that you can cut down on risk in your portfolio is dividends. For instance, you know, a lot of people like stocks that go straight up. And if you buy the stock at 10 and sell it at 20, you made 100%. But if it's a $10 stock and it pays a 3% dividend and it doesn't go up, it just goes sideways for the whole year, you just made 3%, not too shabby. Now, it's not as good as 100%, but you got 3% in income. Dividends are a shareholder's best friend. They've accounted for about 40% of the total return of the S&P 500 over the past 80 years. Dividends are cold, they're hard, they're cash. Some guys like, well, some guys like tall women. Some guys like women who dress really well. Me? I like dividends. Dividends, cold, hard cash. Give me cold, hard cash any day of the week. So getting some of your return in the form of dividend, it reduces risk. 
You shouldn't be a yield hog, though, because the bigger rate of return you're looking for, the more risk you put yourself. So prudence argues against simply buying stocks that yield the most. A lot of people, for instance, let me give you a quick example. A lot of people want their cash to earn 5%, but no, 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 no. You want your cash to earn between 1% and 3%. If it's earning 5%, it's being exposed to too much risk. Cash is supposed to be quick and easy, and you're supposed to be able to get to it. It's supposed to be liquid. So the higher the rate of return on cash, the higher the risk. The higher the rate of yield on a stock, the higher the risk. Because the company, let's say if a company's giving you a 12% dividend yield, are they bringing in that much in profits that they can continue to do that forever and ever and ever and ever? Keep in mind the average company, the average, you're talking 7 to 10%. So being able to go after 7 to 10% profit and that's not necessarily sharing all that with the shareholders. Average company will pay somewhere between 1% and 3% in dividends. And there's a good dividend growth fund if you want to take a look at it, VDIGX, VDIGX. Now, again, if you're going to own a growth stock like Apple, you got to own a dividend player. you got to. They go hand in hand. They're kind of the yin and the yang. Now, this fund, VDIGX, it's returned an annualized 3.9% over the last five years, an average of 4 percentage points higher than the S&P 500. Dividend growth has held up relatively well during the bear market, a cataclysm in which practically everything lost money. Now, that fund tumbled 42% from December of 2007 through March of 2009, but that's 13 percentage points less than the S&P 500. So it's been pretty nice. It's been a lot less volatile than the S&P 500 as well, so it's not as much of a roller coaster ride. I want you to own some dividends, and that's a good place to start the Vanguard Dividend Growth Fund, ticker symbol VDIGX, VDIGX. Let's take a little bit of a break here. When we come back, I'll, I'll answer some of your questions. I'll take your phone calls, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. One eight hundred three four five KNEW. This is Rob Black. Good day on Wall Street. Nasdaq's up twenty four, up one point two percent. Dow Jones up one thirty seven, up one point four percent. One of the areas that I don't really touch on as much as I should is everyone should have a budget. It's probably. I don't want to say the most boring thing that will ever come out of my mouth. But do you know how much money you spent last month? And how much do you expect to spend this month? You should. Because not having a budget, for instance, you know, I like going to lunch. And my lunches are $20, $25. And you add that up and that's 125 and that's 250 That's $500 on lunch. I'm spending $500 on lunches if you go out five days a week for lunches. You need to know how much you're spending because that's how you get to retirement. That's the trick. They're the necessary evil. They're the only practical way of getting a grip on your spending. There's a good website, mint.com, M-I-N-T.com, and yodely.com, Y-O-D-L-E-E.com. And here's the thing. You got to give them your bank account numbers, and they aggregate data for you, and they tell you, you know, here, here's where you are in your budget. They'll do it for you. They'll do a budget for you. 
but you have to have that online trust relationship. So um, you need to identify how much money you're spending now. You need to evaluate your current spending. You need to set goals. You need to take action. It's heinous that I say that. There's a guy that I work with at the radio station who he was hitting on some tough time. So he asked me for some advice, and I said, you know what I would do is I'd get a second job. That'll help your budget almost instantly. And he actually picked up a pretty good second job, pretty cool second job, in fact. Um, when you're in radio, you can do all sorts of cool things and, you know, DJ skills and things like that. Um, but you got to get your budget. You have to know exactly how much you're falling and failing, um, why, you're, why you're bouncing checks. So you can use software if you want, Microsoft Money or Quicken. I tend to find that they take too much time to put the data in yourself. So I like that mint.com. Uh, you need to make sure you don't have a lot of leakage. Like I said, $20, $25 for a lunch, that adds up quickly. That's $500 a month. That's a lot of money. Now, if I'm maxing out my 401k, I feel a little bit better about it. You don't want to drive yourself too nuts, though. You know, one drawback of having a look at your budget is that you could spend a lot of time on it. Once you determine the categories of spending you and how much you should cut, you need to save 10 to 15% of every dollar you make when you're 20. You need to save 10 to 15% of every dollar you make when you're 30. You need to save 10 to 20% of every dollar you make when you're 40. Get where I'm going with that? So from age 20 to 60, you need to save 10 to 20% every dollar you make for your retirement. We just learned the other day that the average American is living longer. Again, that's an average American born today, not the average American overall. Uh, Average American born today can expect to live to age 77. Women right around 80, men right around 75. So women get five more years than men. That brings up the other question. Okay, so if a woman lives to 80, let's say she stops working at 60, She's got to have enough money to last 20 years on average, maybe more. So what's your budget? If your budget's $40,000 a year, you can quickly say 40,000 times 20, throw in a 3% inflation kick, and you'll see how much money you're going to need to be safe. Now, from age 60 to 80, your money could still be growing for you, for sure. It could still be working for you, but keep in mind, inflation's going to continue to work against you. Spending beyond your limits is very, very dangerous. I have a credit card. I use it basically just so I can, you know, monitor my expenses. More often than not, I use my debit card. So spending beyond your limits will ultimately lead you to credit issues. And when you're on credit, you expect to be out of it in a month or two, but it gets so easy to do. So setting up a budget, it's something you have to do. You got to be aware of things inside your budget, like the luxuries that look like necessities. And what do I mean that by that? You know, do you really need it? To me, TV is a luxury. My cable bill, 120 bucks a month. Do the math. That comes out to almost $1,400 a year, right? Now, all I get out of that is regular cable, digital cable, a set-top box, and a cable modem. Now, I love that cable modem, and you'd have to pry from my dead fingers my cable modem. Um, love that cable modem. So it's the joy of my life. Maisie the Wonder Dog's good. That cable modem is better. You know what I'm saying. Kit Kat got nothing on that cable modem. But that's $1,400 a year. So again, what do you make? 60000 on average? So a good 160th 
One forty-fifth of your money is going towards TV. Just know it's there. Don't count on windfalls. I think that's another thing in your budget that a lot of people expect when mom and dad dies. My mother, and she died 10 years ago, all the kids would have got a pretty nice inheritance. If she dies now, it's okay. If she dies in 10 years, there's going to be nothing. When is my mom going to die? That woman's outliving all expectations. She had two massive strokes that basically left her with the mind of a six-year-old kid. And 10 years later, she's still, still chugging. Uh, so you can't really count on the windfall. You got to be aware of what's called spending creep. Spending creep is as your annual income rises, promotions and smart investing, you don't start spending into luxuries. And that's one of the, the big mistakes that people made as their homes went into value, up in value. They took money out of it and bought BMWs. Now, five, seven years later, those BMWs are very expensive insurance and they're expensive to maintain and they're almost worth nothing now. So just because you got wealthy on real estate, it wasn't the time to say BMW. It was still the time to say Chevette. You still should be driving a Chevette. You'd be the type of person who always has plenty of cash. You need to know exactly where every penny goes because cash is so easy to spend, in my opinion. Next thing I want to mention, um, now that we got the budget pretty darn hardcore knocked out, you got to set some priorities. As an investor, you need to know that you want to work till X years. When I was an 18-year-old boy, I said, I want to work till the age of 35. My goal was to retire at 35 years old. That's a rocking goal. I wanted $1 million by the time I was 35 because I could live off $40,000 a year till the day I died with $1 million. I could do that in some states. My goal was, you know, in a worst-case scenario, I could always go sell oranges and apples at the, at the beach. And live modestly if I need it to. As you age, what happens is you get married. You have kids. And suddenly you realize, oh my, holy mackerel. Average kids cost about $270,000 to raise from age 0 to 17 now. And if you send them to college, it's another $250,000 in today's dollars where they're going to be down the road. So a kid's a $500,000 decision. So before you warm up with your sugar booger, just know it's expensive. So I wanted to retire at 35. That was my priority. That was my goal. That was what I wanted to hit. You know, now I want to keep working. I enjoy the work. I enjoy the radio. I enjoy the television. I enjoy the people. Last night I met a lot of really wonderfully nice people in, in Los Gatos, and that's one of the reasons I do this. I do this because I have a daddy issue. I want to please people. As a, as a kid, my father was an alcoholic, and there was no pleasing him. When you have an alcoholic father, it's like you'll, you'll bring home an A, yay, and he'll be mad at you for being five minutes late. And then one day you'll be on time, but you'll have a B, and he'll be mad at you for the B. There's like no pleas in alcoholic. So one of the reasons I do this show is because I get a great deal of pleasure out of helping you stop making financial mistakes. So have priorities in your invest. Have priorities in your lifetime. You need to narrow your objectives. When do you want to retire? How many years? What? How much do you want to live on when you retire? You need to focus on that. You need to be prepared for conflicts: a wife, a kid, a divorce, a special needs kid. I would never wish that on anyone, but it happens in this day and age, and it's very, very expensive. You need to put your time aside and start doing it when you're young. Um, one of the things that made me wildly happy was uh, every now and then I see these 20-year-old people jump up on my Facebook, 25-year-old people, and they're starting to save. They're emailing me questions. How, what did I do? What should I do? People under 30, you make me happy when you save money. It's just so cool to see. 
because most people put it off. And most of us in, when we're in our 20s, we're coming out of college with, you know, lots of debt. We're coming out of college with damaged credit. So we don't save. So when I'm seeing kids today save, I'm like, they get it. I love it. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show. Talking all things financial. I'm digressing from the stock market, as I want to do. Big baseball series this weekend. San Francisco and Colorado. San Francisco can be in the heat of things, in the thick of things. They can be exactly where they are now, or they could be out of it before the weekend's over. Take a break here. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Dollars and common sense. This is Talk 910 KNEW. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Not today, not Monday, not Tuesday, but Wednesday, I'm going to do a Taking Woodstock show. In honor of this, I've got some free movie tickets if you want to see a free movie at the Sony Metreon, or I guess it's called the AMC Metreon now. AMC Metreon. It's at 4th Street, San Francisco. I've got some free movie tickets for next Wednesday, August 26th at 7.30. What I'm going to do is in the morning, I'm going to do a show totally 100% dedicated to... What am I going to do? Totally dedicated towards the America and the economy in the 1960s. So I know Woodstock was kind of a late 60s thing, but I'm going to try to dedicate an hour to the music of the 60s as well as what was happening because we can learn from it. We can learn from you know what was breaking through in investments and what was failing in investments, what was breaking through in society as far as trends go. So I did that on the 50s show, and I thought I did a pretty good job. It was tough to cover two hours of 1950s you know, content, but I pulled it off a couple months ago, and um, I thought that was insightful. I thought there was some good information. Now, I got a couple comments on the live blog, and unfortunately, I'm not going to be doing a lot of interactive uh, interacting with the live blog. It's there for you, the blackheads. You can talk amongst yourselves, so to speak. You're so verklempt. But you can find it at 910knew.com, 910knew.com. One comment came in from Professional Mike. He says, Rob, is there a threshold interest rate? that you view student loans as not good. I have a six-figure, 20-year variable rate private student loan. It's prime somewhere in the 2.75%, one-half of 1%. Not quite sure how his loan's being configured. He says, I'm putting extra income into better-yielding investments now, stocks and bonds. But if the interest rates creep past stocks and bonds, long-term historical returns, i.e. greater than 6%, should I plow all that extra income into student loans? The general theory is to put extra cash to better yields at any given point, right? Yeah, he's right. Um, Keep in mind, student debt, the interest on it is tax deductible. So you don't want to get rid of it. I kept my student debt till I was 34 years old, and I was proud to do it. It took me that long to pay it all back. The beauty of it was it was at 1% to 2% rate, and it helped build credit. It helped build credit for all of my 20s to be paying back my student debt over that time. Now, some people will say, oh, you should pay off all your debt instantly. That's just foolish bunk. You don't really want to believe that theory, and I hope you don't. So some debt's good. Mortgage debt, student debt's good. Now, any debt over 8% is bad. Any debt over 8%. And that's credit cards and student debts, or that's the debt that you owe your pimp. Um, Whatever. Any debt over 8% is bad. 
Now, any debt under 6%, you start going, hmm, maybe I can get a better rate of return. Now, I don't want you to think that way, where you become kind of a gambler with that money. I know people who take out student loans and then invest the money. (laughs) That can end very, very badly for people. But professional Mike is, you know, as long as he's able to service that loan, that's the important thing. A mortgage or a student loan, you just want to make sure that you can service it. Are we tracking on that? When I say service it is, I don't mind if you take out a credit card and I don't mind if it's 10%. As long as you can service it for that 12 month period or whatever it is, it's going to take you to pay it back. Now, while you're servicing it, in my opinion, you better be maxing out that 401k. So I don't mind, you know, putting a vacation on a credit card, spending a little bit more than you should, being financially stupid as long as you're maxing out the 401k. Let me give people a little bit of benefit of the doubt on occasion. Now, Wine Guy says, when we have days like this in the market, is it better to sell and then reinvest later or hold for the long term? The money I'm taking out now is in an IRA. So you love, um, so the money I'm taking talking about is in an IRA. Um, wine Guy, be careful. In large part, you're trying to become a market timer. You're trying to say, I know it's not going to go any higher. Now, here's what I'm having to say. I think the market should correct 10 to 15% in August and September before ultimately going higher in October, November, December. I think 1050 is a good target range on the S&P 500 for the end of the year based on current earnings expectations. Could it go higher? Yes, absolutely. People bought pet rocks in the 1970s. We're not the smartest nation. We're a nation that sometimes we do dumb things. So can the market continue to go higher every day and it not give me the pullback? Sure. So I ask you, wine guy, how many millionaires do you know who are market timers? Do you know any? Do you know any that got out of the market perfectly and got right back in perfectly? I don't. I'm glad that I didn't sell my IRA in the in the correction. I'm glad that I continued to buy more in my IRA. I'm glad that I didn't overly think the stock market during the correction and the recovery. So don't overthink it. That's the worst thing you could do. And the most powerful tool for you, for me, for Heidi, for anyone who's listening to the show who's working is that 401k. I've already hinted at it a little bit that in your portfolio, I'll, I'll give you a little break. If you want to go get you know a Hawaii vacation, put it on a credit card, pay it up over the next year, that's fine. I understand the need for vacations as long as you're maxing out the 401k. A 401k represents a way to reduce your taxable income. Contributions come out of your pay before taxes. But get this, a 401k and whoever invented this, I want to kiss them. I just want to kiss a man and say, You are a good person because the federal government doesn't get my taxes in my 401k money. The state government doesn't get my taxes. Social Security doesn't get my taxes. FICA doesn't get my, it's all me. Everything I put in my 401k, $16,500 this year is what I'm allowed to put in. All of it is virgin money. It's never been taxed. So a dollar in a 401k is worth more than a dollar in your pocket because the dollar in your pocket at one point in time was probably a dollar thirty, dollar thirty-five before you paid taxes on it. You see where I'm going at with that? So if you're over 50, by the way, you can uh, put in 22000 into your 401k this year. Matching contributions are free money. If your company gives you matching, it's free money. Now, here's the beauty is, again, let's just say I make $100,000 a year and I put in $16,500 into my um 401k this year. I'm not paying taxes at a $100,000 tax bracket. 
I'm paying taxes at an $84,500 tax bracket. So that may drop me down from the 29% bracket to the 28% bracket. Again, I pay less to the government. I'm a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Now, let's say my 401k goes down 40% like it did. Wah. I can't get upset by that because I haven't paid taxes on the money. I'm still at break even in my mind. And I've got the assets already accumulated. The tough part. Later in life, when you turn 60, you're going to find it's tough to raise capital. You got to build capital while you're younger. So if your company gets a, a free money, absolutely 100%. Taking money out of a 401k before retirement is very expensive. Don't do it. If you withdraw money from your 401k before age 59 and a half, you pay the income taxes, plus you pay a 10% penalty. Also, you lose time, which time's on your side and money doubles every 7.2 years. So you put a dollar in your 401k at age 20. It's $2 at age 27. It's $4 at age 35. It's $8 at age 42. It's um, $16 at age 50. It's $32 at age 60. $1 becomes 32 magical dollars. Pretty sweet. That's like giving yourself a raise. So here's when you don't want to use a 401k. If the options are just horrific. Very few 401ks are just horrific. But on occasion, I do see them set up very, very, very poorly. When you change jobs, you'll often have three choices. So a lot of kids in their 20s and 30s today, they're finding out that the job market's not the job market their mom and dad had. Mom and dad worked till the day they died at the same company. Mom and dad worked for one company for 30 years. We're going to work for six to 10 companies. We're going to be a little bit more transient. And every time you get a 401k... When you're fired or when you quit, you're going to want to call 800 Fidelity and say, I need a 401k rollover to an IRA. So you're going to roll over that 401k to an IRA so you can direct it versus just leaving it there. I'd rather you control it versus leaving it there. When you do roll money into an IRA or or 401k, make sure um, it's properly transferred. Make sure it's done in the right time period. You can take money out of a 401k early in your life. Um, There's an IRS rule. It's called 72T. It provides for one to take early withdrawals without penalties if you keep it at a consistent number based on your life expectancy. It's a little bit complicated to explain. I don't recommend it unless, hey, you know, a lot of people, um, upper level management, they get bought out. They say, you know what? I got a big old fat 401k because I'm upper level management. Maybe I'll just uh, retire early. So 72T is there. It's, It's there for you. But Ladies and gentlemen, use that 401k, get a budget, have priorities. I think that's what the last half hour of the show was all about. Those are magic, magic ways to save money. Anyhow, anyway, we're heading, we're cruising towards the weekend. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks for all the support. I do appreciate it. And um, enjoy California because this is a lovely time of the year. Rob Black. Weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.